Father. I'm so glad that we can call you that because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. God, uh, I just pray that every soul, God, this morning here in this room would be able to cry out to you. That you meet us here where we are at. Father, in, in our joy, in our happiness, in our pain, in our suffering. Father, I pray that every heart would know peace today. It only comes in the name of Jesus. God, peace beyond anything we can understand in the midst of impossible situations. I, I just pray your peace upon every heart here this morning. And that, God, if there's any heart in this room that has not been set free by salvation in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be that day that they would know the true peace of the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. And God, for everyone in the room who does have that, I'm thankful. For me, I'm thankful, God, for the hope that I have in the name of Jesus. So as we worship you, I just pray that it would be sweet to you, God, just to hear your people sing praises to you and that it would put everything into perspective in our lives, God. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we just want to sit and rest in the joy of your presence, in the peace of your presence, God, that no matter what is going on in life right now, God, you hold us, and in the name of Jesus, you hold us, and you will never let go because you promise that you will never, ever leave us or forsake us. And so, God, I just beg that whatever is going on in every life right now, Father, that your peace would be known in every heart. Because of Jesus Christ, you can hold us until the day that we see you face to face and we look forward to a day when there is no more pain and there is no more suffering and there is no more weeping, God. And so forever, starting now, we can hold our joy. Because it's not about whether we're smiling on the outside, God. It's about whether we're joyful on the inside because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we hold our joy because of Jesus. So I just pray joy upon every heart in this room today. Father, we need you. I just want to encourage you in these next few moments. We're just going to sit in silence for a moment. And this is a chance for you just to come before God and just ask him to open your heart to what he would have to say to you this morning. Ask him to soften your heart of whatever is hardening you, of whatever lies that you are believing because Satan is the father of all lies and his native tongue is lie and so he is trying to lie to you in some way this morning. But Jesus is more powerful than that lie. So in the next few moments, just take this silence as a chance for you to connect with God. If, you, if, you, if you're here this morning if you've never prayed before, it's just talking to God. Just ask him whether you believe if he's there or not. He is, and he will hear you. So ask him to open your heart. Ask him to help you identify the lies that you're believing and that he would defeat them in the name of Jesus. So sit in these moments and ask that of God.
Father, I just pray again that your spirit of peace would be upon us. God, that our restlessness would be redeemed in you this morning. God, that you would give peace where there is no peace. So, Father, that's just what I want. I want That's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for every person here, is that they would know peace. So just help us to rest, God, because life is crazy. And life is fearful, and life brings anxiety. But you bring peace in the midst of that. Thank you for your presence here with us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to start off by doing something that's a little bittersweet um, for us. I'm going to bring Patty Fellers up here. And in a moment, um, Heather's going to come up and Mark's going to come up and they're going to pray a blessing over her. Um, but it's, kind of, it's bitter for us because Patty is so dear to us. We love Patty, and she's moving to Colorado Springs. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about um, how God led her to that. And it's bitter because we're going to miss her, right? Um, but it's sweet because she's moving because of what God has asked her to do. She's moving because of something that God has put on her heart, and I love that. There's nothing better than when somebody hears from God pushing them to do something. And then we've said it before, if you are following the Spirit of God, you'll go to places that no one else is going, right? And so we just love that. And so I'm going to have Patty come up here and tell you a little bit about God's leading on her. So the, so the first question I always get is why Colorado? Okay, why Colorado? Um, I love Colorado. I have a brother there. I've always wanted to go back. But when my son said he wanted to go to Drake, I started looking at houses here. I knew I was going to move out of the house that um, my husband and I had built. Um, it's just too big for my daughter and I. Um, but in about April, God said, wait, stop. Just enjoy your son's senior year of high school. Stop. Okay, I stopped. So then the next... A few weeks later, I said, God, could you just give me a hint? I really just want a hint of what's coming up. I know you're going to do something in my life, but I just want a hint. And God said, okay, you're going to go to Colorado Springs. And the reason why Colorado Springs is because I have a degree in creative writing. I'm a writer. And um, I'm obviously comfortable public speaking, speaking in public. And God has given me a story. He's given me a testimony. For those of you who don't know, my husband died four years ago very suddenly. And um, he's giving me the testimony of encouragement to people that no matter what you're going through, God is still trustworthy. You can hate it. You can, you can hate whatever you're going through, but trust God because he's still good. And um, so Colorado Springs happens to be like the mecca of Christian ministries in the United States. And so it just, it all fell together. My kids, each one that I told, they said, okay. I mean, I was astounded. Every friend that I said, I'm going, even the uber protective mama bear that I have, she said, yeah, that's where you're supposed to be. And 
everything has fallen into place, including the people that I'm buying the house from are believers. When they heard I was a widow, when they did all the things that I asked them to repair, they repaired more. I've never heard of that. So really, I'm just, I don't, I'm not going for a job. I'm not going, I'm not going for a man. I am not going. <laughs> My dad, first question, is there a man there? No, dad, sorry, no man. Um, I'm not going, I have no idea what I'm gonna do when I get there. I'm going to unpack boxes and enroll my daughter in school, and I'm gonna wait for the light for the next step. I love that, thank you. I'm going to uh, stay here. So Heather and Mark, you can come up. Um, Heather's gonna the pray over her, because Heather's one of Patty's best friends, but you're one of her best friends too. And so Heather's going to pray over her as a friend, and um, Mark is going to pray on behalf of the elders in the church and, and just a blessing over you. If you haven't met Patty, you missed out. You missed out. She is one authentic woman. And I'm, I'm sitting here just crying through these songs because God has used this woman as a mentor in my life. Um, she's very sensitive to the Spirit, and often times during a week, I would get a text from her saying, I am praying for you. You are heavy on my heart. I'm like, I know, I know. Or she'd send me an article, or she'd just send me a good word of truth that just spoke to my heart. And so selfishly, I'm like, Lord, she's irreplaceable. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But she needs to do this. She needs to do this. Take risks for the Lord. He has given us an adventure to take, and here she is doing it and being an example. Right before I pray, I just want to say in March, before all this happened, she sent me a picture. She was in Arizona, and it was this beautiful blue sky. You remember that? And in her, her patty ways, it came with wisdom, truth, and authenticity. I mean, this, this woman is all about truth, um, about the joys, the trials, the sadness, the hard times, but the successes, too. And she teaches her children that, and she lives it. She lives it. And so she sends us text. And when I saw that picture, I looked to Nick. I said, Nick, she's leaving. And we as a church need to send her out. We need to send her out with encouragement, with truth, with love, with support, and with prayer. Because she has a story to tell, and we have been blessed by her presence, and so we are going to send her out. So I may be up here praying, but you're going to pray with me, and we're going to continue to pray for her. And she leaves August 8th, so we got three weeks to love on her. Two weeks. Two weeks to love on her. This is my last Sunday with her. Not very happy about that. <laughs> but will you please send her out with me? Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for Patty. I will never forget the first moment I met her. I thank you for Carrie. It's because of Carrie that she came here. We praise you. We thank you for who Patty is. <sighs> Thank you for all that you have taught me through Patty's story and through her wisdom and how she lives her life. I praise you and I thank you. Will you please send her forth? Protect her from the enemy and his lies, his deceitful ways. Protect her. Protect her children. I thank you for David and how he's going to stay back. Will you protect him? But we pray, Father, that he will seek you with all his heart and that he will, he will choose on his own to follow you. 
that through the pit and the hard times that are coming with college, that he will run to you. Protect his relationship with you. Protect his relationship with his mom. We thank you for Annalise. Give her dear, dear, dear friends in Colorado. Lifelong friends that she can laugh with and be silly with and love you with. And thank you for Patty. May she continue to be sensitive to you and obedient to you. These next few months will be exciting and yet hard and lonely. Direct her to a church that honors you, that loves you, that loves people, that upholds your word. We know that you have given your spirit limitlessly to her. We know that you've given her everything she needs to do what you've called her to do. May we as a church serve her and honor her the best that we can the next few days that we have with her. Again, we praise you and we thank you so much for Patty and what she's given to us and the story that she, she gave us, that we can learn from it. And we turn and we praise you, Jesus. We praise you and we thank you. You are a great God. You're an amazing Father. And we know through your story and Patty's life that we can trust you. So we thank you for teaching us that. In Jesus' name. Four years ago, in a small group, um, it was shared from Carrie McLaren that uh, Jack Fellers had passed. And uh, I could hardly believe that he was my advisor at Drake University when I was a student there. And he was a strong Christian man uh, before all his students. In his class, he openly professed his belief in God and how God had healed him from a hearing problem in his ear caused by some technology problem uh, with the printers. And, and so I just really appreciated his friendship and encouragement as my advisor at that time. And, and then, three year, then a year after that, Patty came into our fellowship. And uh, so she's had a special place in my heart uh, because I actually got to know her husband a little bit too. So I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you for Patty and Michael and David and Annalise. And we just commit them to you in the name of Jesus for your safekeeping and care. Please uh, help Michael and David in their college years, Lord, to become young men of God uh, like their father was, who would profess Christ before all. Help them be, to be men of integrity, uh, men who have a heart for service and love you. I pray for Annalise, Lord, to grow to become a woman of God, to find good friends in Colorado, and uh, that you would encourage her in her walk without her dad. Uh, may there be other men in Colorado that could come and be that father figure in her life. Um, I pray for Patty now, and I just pray according to Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, that she would trust in the Lord with all her heart and lean not under her own understanding, but in all her ways acknowledge you so that you would direct her paths. May you guide her and bless her, be with her and go before her, and help her now in this new adventure of, of life. And uh, may, as she found a body of believers here to come around to support and encourage her, may she find that in Colorado. May you guide her to just the right fellowship. And as she found such dear friends here, and Heather and Carrie and others, may you bring her into some close, uh, heartfelt kinship relationships like that. And we just pray your blessing and watch and care over them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks, Patty. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying and love on Patty before she leaves. Um, so, onward we go. Um, this week we are in week three of our Fruit of the Spirit uh, series. Remember, it's fruit, the fruit 
of the Spirit, singular. It's like a fruit cake, right? It's one piece of cake, but there's all a bunch of gross fruit in there. I'd say gross because fruit cake is really disgusting. But the fruit of the Spirit is beautiful. It's awesome. So that redeems fruit cake forever now in my mind. Um, Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The life led by the Spirit of God in you will, capital W-I-L-L, will produce the fruit of the Spirit. I think we forget about this a lot of times, that for those of us who are in Jesus, who have salvation in Jesus, it's not just that we go about living life and God points his finger down and once in a while helps us and guides us and pushes us in the right direction. No, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, comes and dwells inside of you. Do we get how heavy that is? Do we get how awesome that is? Do we get how freeing that is? That I can fully, 100% rely on the Holy Spirit of God to lead me and direct me. And I'll say it again. For those who are living by the leading of the Spirit in them, you will be going places that no one else is going for the sake of the kingdom of God. And if you're like me, I like adventure, but it also scares me to death. Right? New things scare me to death. Change scares me to death. And on the other hand, I love change. I'd change something in my office every week just so I don't get bored. If I could, I would switch my office around every single week. But I just don't have the energy to do that all the time. But the spirit inside of us calls us to adventure for the name of Jesus. And when we are living by the leading of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, a packaged whole, will come out in our life. So today we're going to talk about peace. I want everybody to turn to their neighbor and say, peace be with you. Okay, this is active. Just turn to whoever's next to you and say, peace be with you. Okay, and now I want you to turn to the other person next to you that you chose second for whatever reason, and you say, you say it like this. Say it like this. I need me some peace. Just like that. I need me some peace. Just like that. Come on, Mackenzie. I need me some peace. We all need me some peace. Because here's the thing about peace. Here's the thing about peace. Peace is such a fleeting idea. I think even this morning we struggle to really define what peace is, but we all want peace. Because life on the outside seems so out of control. We just want peace. Peace is such a fleeting idea. We long for peace. We salivate over the thought of living a life without strife outwardly, but we long for inner peace because everything on the outside is not in our control. I don't know if you know that or not, but nothing in your life is in your control, really. It's not. You are not in control of your life. And I think for me, the, the, the sooner I get that through my head that I am not in control of my life, the more free I become. That <laughs> I got nothing to do with it. I love that. Because I'll mess it up every time. We long for peace. We want to be able to slow down and breathe and know peace. But trying to get peace, trying to attain peace is like trying to capture air. Trying to grab air. It's just like keep grabbing and keep grabbing and keep grabbing grabbing and all you are in the end is more tired more exhausted and you have less peace because you're working harder 
I mean, people meditate, just breathe in and breathe out and quiet your mind. Get more sleep, control your situation, be more disciplined, seek, seek to micromanage the results in your life, and we just get more turmoil, more tired, less peace, because none of these are real solutions to finding and attaining peace in our lives. They're only Band-Aids. And what does a Band-Aid do when you put it on and you rip it off? It hurts, right? And so the more we try to attain peace, and then all of a sudden that thing in your life goes away, it rips off a Band-Aid and all of a sudden you have less peace than you had before and it's just a crazy, meaningless, ugly cycle. So we've said this before, that our goal in living out our mission, our goal in living out the great commission that Jesus gave us is to live the most effective lives possible for the kingdom of God. And if our desire is to live the most effective lives possible for the kingdom of God, then our desire should be to be like Jesus. Jesus is God's own son on earth who lived as a human, and therefore Jesus becomes our perfect example of how we should seek to live on earth. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, all of these things embodied in one man perfectly while he lived on earth. I heard somebody say this to me one time. They said, you know, uh, we shouldn't really seek to live like Jesus because Jesus was God um, and he was perfect and that's impossible, right? And I thought about that for a second. I thought that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard any Christian ever say to me. Don't seek to live like Jesus because he's perfect and that's impossible. Well, you must not believe that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that Jesus, while he lived on earth, he was tempted in every single way, the same as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is constantly held up as the prime example of what we want to be like. Get this, Jesus is fully God. And while he was on earth, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And so he had to, in every situation that he was tempted, in the same ways that you are, in the same ways that I am, but so often I give in to that temptation and I fail, Jesus never failed to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to give him strength to walk away from that temptation stronger. The truth is that positionally, before God, we are made new. We are made perfect by the blood of Jesus in God's sight. So because of that, we can come through the power of the Holy Spirit and live full of the fruit of the Spirit that only comes from living a life following the leading of the Spirit. And here's the deal. I am not a sinner anymore. Positionally, I am a saint who still sins. But when God looks at me, he does not see a sinner. If you are here and you are in Jesus and you're not feeling any peace, it's because you're believing some kind of lie about you that Satan is feeding to you because positionally before God, you are not a sinner anymore. You are a saint. That is who you are. And sometimes you still sin. 
Because as long as we live on this earth, the flesh, we've talked about this before, that the flesh, your natural self, is at in opposition to the spirit that is in you. The things of the flesh are in opposition to the things of the spirit. And as long as we live on the earth, those two things will be battling against each other, so we, we still will sin at times. But when God looks at you as a child, <laughs> he doesn't see it because it's forgiven, it's taken care of, it's washed away. So if you want peace, Jesus is the only way to true peace. Everything else, every other man-made solution will fail. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it's on the screen, but it prophesies this about Jesus, kind of a connection like Bob did last week about um, to Christmas, but it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, this is awesome, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And then Bob read this last week, Philippians 4, 7. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when a loved one dies, when you lose a job, when you're estranged from a child, when your marriage is in shambles and it's ending, when life is not going the direction you hope for, or just daily things, when your car breaks down and you have to go see Jim one too many times. I was like, my truck was in the shop this week and, and um, Jim, we, Jim and I had a little text conversation with like, people. You're the, Jim, you're the one person that people hate to go to. And that just made him feel awesome. But I love it when my car breaks down because I get to go see Jim. It's awesome. I love you, Jim. When your car breaks down, you have no idea where the money's going to come from. When a relationship is broken and how you have to live with that and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on and on and on of the things that bring us fear, the things that bring us anxiety, the things that essentially prove to us in our lives that we are broken. Right? I mean, I look at my life, there's no possible way that I could say that I'm not broken. Everybody's broken. You get freedom and you get peace when you actually admit it, when you actually realize it, when you actually come to Jesus as the solution for it. In situations, it seems impossible to know peace. It can be found somehow in the arms of God. Now, that alone just to hear that in impossible situations when all you would know otherwise is anxiety and fear, that can be relieved because of God. Isn't that encouraging? Be like, yeah, you're like, yes, Nick, that is encouraging. Now I want to know how. Give me how. What is the solution here? Tell me how. So today I want to talk about a solution to finding and knowing peace forever and always because of the hope of Jesus. So in this study I'm doing, I've told you about this before, but in the study I'm doing personally um, by Beth Moore, Breaking Free, my wife's done it and several other women in the church have done it, um, and men, it's, 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 uh, she wrote it, 
as a, as a study for women, but it is awesome. And you should do it too. It's amazing. And um, one of the things that she mentions as one of the benefits of the freedom of living as a child of God, one of the benefits of being a child of God is to experience God's peace. Is to experience God's peace. She also is the single greatest obstacle to experiencing God's peace. And if you're writing anything down, I want you to write this one thing down. If you can remember anything this morning, I want you to remember this. The single greatest obstacle to experiencing God's peace is prayerlessness. You get that? The single greatest obstacle to experiencing God's peace is prayerlessness. Or easier way is a prayerless life. So I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. It's like two-thirds of the way through your Bible. If you have to use your um, table of contents to find Daniel, that's fine. We're, we're good with that. It's on the screen too. I kind of got to use my table of contents. Or there's this song I, I sung as a kid in Sunday school. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm not going to do the whole thing for you, but I have to sing that to myself sometimes when finding like Amos or Habakkuk or books like that that um, you can't remember the order of ever, no matter how smart you are. Um, so don't be ashamed of looking in the table of contents to find where these places are. But we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and I'm just going to read a short part of a story to you. I'm not going to read the whole story. I just want to read a short part of a story of, of, of a man, Daniel, who uh, he was a righteous man before God. So listen to this, Daniel chapter 6. We're just going to read 10 verses. It pleased Darius... Darius was the king at the time. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because he had an excellent spirit, or because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him, Daniel, over the whole kingdom. Then the, the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had previously done. And then the story goes on, and the, the other high officials see this. They go to the king and tell him. It breaks the king's heart because the king loves Daniel. 
and, but because the law could not be revoked, the king was forced to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Then the next morning, the king runs to the lion's den, hoping, hoping that Daniel's God would come through, and he calls to Daniel and asks, has your God that you serve saved you? And he had, and Daniel had not even been scratched by the lions, had not even been scratched. And then the men who plotted against Daniel were thrown into the lion's den with their families, and they were all eaten. Here's the best part of the whole thing. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had previously done. When. There's a whole lot of power in the word when. Right? When he heard news that could get him thrown into the lion's den, an anxiety-attacking moment, a fearful moment for his actual life. When he heard that the document had been signed, what's the first thing he did? He went and he prayed. He went and he prayed. And here's the thing. It says, as he had done previously. There's no doubt that, that the men knew that Daniel did this. This is why they put this thing in writing. Daniel's faithfulness to God was no secret. And here's the thing. He was not doing this in a gloating or flaunting attitude. He wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to show them. I'm going to go and pray just because they said not to. No. When bad news came that would give anxiety and fear to any person on the planet, Daniel's first reaction was to pray. And no doubt, no doubt that Daniel was scared out of his mind. Scared out of his mind. Because what if, what if he went and got down on his knees and prayed to God three times a day and thanked God, even for thanking God. We've had this experience in our life, but thanking God for the negative things that are happening in your life and asking him to turn them into blessings. It's a powerful thing. But what if he got down on his knees and did this and he got thrown into the lion's den and died? What then? Daniel knew without a shadow of a doubt whatever happened, he was going to have peace in those moments, in the face of fear, because God is faithful no matter what. Even if he did die. Even if he was killed for the name of Jesus. Who does he get to spend eternity with? God. That's what I love about martyrs. When you die, your murderers are only sending you into eternity with your Savior. I love that. That's our hope. In the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, love Nehemiah, another one of my favorite prophets. But uh, Nehemiah was, was a simple cupbearer to the king. Okay? He served the king in Babylon, cupbearer to the king. And yet he heard that his country, Jerusalem, his city, Jerusalem, was in shambles and the walls were broken down and the gates had been burned by fire. And so he was distraught by this. And so he undertook to ask permission from the king if he could leave his area of service in order to go rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem for his people and for his God. Right? And this is what it says. It says he was scared. Right? This is before he asked permission. He was scared, but he prayed to the God of heaven and then he went to the king. Just because we pray, it doesn't mean we're not going to be scared. 
But when we pray, we can have peace in the midst of fear and act in spite of it. That's courage. That's real courage. Daniel was able to have peace in the midst of a situation that should have crippled him with fear, that should have crippled him with anxiety. But he had peace because he prayed. Because prayer shows our dependence on our God beyond our own ability to control anything in our lives. So you say that to yourself over and over again. I'm out of control. I'm out of control. I'm out of control. And you know what? That's a good thing because God is in control. Another thing that Beth Moore says in this study that I love is she says that the key to peace is authority. You say, what? I thought you just told us that the key to peace was prayer. How's the key to peace, prayer, and authority? Well, think about this. If God is the ultimate authority in my life, if I truly believe that God knows the future, that God makes the rules, that God's standard is what matters in this life, and that my true ultimate desire is to honor Him in everything that I do and how I live, and that He, like He says to Jeremiah in the Old Testament, that He has plans to prosper me and not harm me, then a life of prayer shows my trust in God's authority even when I don't like it. It shows my trust in God's authority even when I don't understand it. It shows my trust in the authority and the power of God that can ultimately bring, bring true peace, the only kind of peace that is everlasting and forever. Prayer is a reminder that God is my ultimate authority, and he's the only one that I can trust. If we go back to Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I read Philippians 4, 7 to you, but I want to read what comes right before that. In Philippians 4, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, so it's just saying, don't be anxious about everything, but pray about everything. And if you do that, it says, and a result of that prayer is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what is the pathway to knowing true, everlasting, never-ending peace? I'm talking about on a daily basis. What's the pathway to peace? Prayer. You pray in everything. I don't care how big or small that anxiety is. You pray in everything. I don't, think, I don't care if you think you're doing all right because life is joyful and happy in bubbles. Right? I don't know why I said bubbles. It just seems like a joyful thing. So I have kids. Right? You still pray in everything because when everything in life falls apart which eventually anything that is man-made will fail you when it all goes away you keep your peace because you pray in everything psalm 46 10 says this be still and know that i am god be still and know that i am god I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. That word still in Hebrew is rapa, and it means this, to become slack, to relax, to cease, to desist, to become weak, to leave alone, and to let go. Because we try so hard, and yet we are so exhausted. Be still. Let go. Desist. Give in to God and say, it's yours. It's not mine to control. Give up. Relax. And then it says, and know. The word is yada. To know relationally and experientially. It is the most intimate form of the word to know in the Hebrew. Be still. Give up trying so hard. And know intimately that I am God and that I am in control when you can't be. The only way to know God's peace is to give up trying. Give up trying to earn it or attain it and release these things to God. The single greatest obstacle to experiencing God's peace is prayerlessness. Do you pray? Do you live a prayerful life? I want to end before we worship some more and and remember Jesus. I want to end with just some reflections that are from you guys. These were sent in this week. I'm not going to say their names, but these were powerful to me. This may be like, you think that this is the most powerful part of the message. I'm just going to read these to you. People's reflections on how prayer has given them peace over the years. My most difficult times were while my parents and sister were slipping away, dying in and after their deaths. Prayers I prayed and the ones I received were most important, helpful beyond words can describe. Also, when I've had several cancer surgeries that have been very tough on me, and always prayer brought me peace. God has been right there bringing me through it all. God has it all for us. He provides. He cares for us in all circumstances, all the time. And we must, as Jesus followers, be mindful of his presence and see his fingerprints on everything. Without him, where and what would we be? Nothing. We must praise him in all that we do, all that we have, all the time. Another one. For me, it was February 2007. My father had been battling with cancer since 2006. Two days before he passed away, we were at his bedside at his place. Even with heavy medications, he was in a lot of pain. I wished I was not there to witness his suffering. He asked that we sing his favorite hymn, Jesus Paid It All. There we sang and prayed for him strength, peace, and comfort. Under the physical pain, he praised God and reminded us to always put God first. He was ready to go home. Knowing that his mind was at peace, it calmed my mind and strengthened my faith in God. I stopped questioning his plan. Another person writes this. Is there any other way to God's peace? I don't think so. When we pray, we open the door for God to come into our problems and situations and work on them. In James 5.16, says that the earnest Heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It, it means it's a dynamic in its working. Prayer is passionate. It's about sincerity of heart and putting your whole heart into it. Prayer doesn't have to be eloquent or long. 
You can't have joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength without peace. There is no peace if there isn't prayer. An intimate relationship, communion, being in His presence. Prayer makes the difference. It gives life and strength. We need to believe that and have faith. Stand on the Word and speak the Word continually. These are some of the privileges we have and they excite me. They excite me. After my divorce, I allowed the enemy, things of this world, to become a part of my life. Therefore, my life started to spiral down extremely fast. I moved to a different town, thinking the move would make all things better. I told myself all kinds of lies and entertained them. So me and my two kids were in a new place. I came with no job in a small two-bedroom apartment, barely any food, and the kids often had holes in their clothes. I was taking from Peter to pay for Paul. I was in serious financial trouble and having a nervous breakdown. But I started to attend a church, and after hearing the word preached and letting it take root, I started praying and praying. And this wasn't a prayer of, oh God, help me, and I will, dot, dot, dot. Prayer became my life. In prayer, the Lord took me to so many scriptures. As I continued living a life of prayer, he gave me wisdom and taught me what the word said about everything. At this time in my life, it was giving. I stayed obedient and became a doer of the word, standing and standing some more. Honestly, my income was then paying my bills, and the the kids had food and clothes. To this day, I'm still in awe. I had to force myself to stay prayerful all the time, and while staying in a prayerful life, I could stay strong and hold on to the promises of God like a dog that won't let go of a bone, knowing God is true to his word. Like the house that is built on the rock, and when the storms came in, I was still, it was still standing. Praises be to God and only Him. I found the peace of God that shed abroad in our hearts, the peace that passes all understanding. There was rest at the end of my day. Now I can't imagine not living a prayerful life, communion, communing with Him and being in His presence. I am truly in awe of our God. Yes, He is kind. He is loving, He is forgiving, but He is to be greatly and fearfully praised. And then she writes, besides, one that one needs that prayerful life and that peace to occupy that street. I love that. There hasn't been anything or victory achieved where prayer hasn't gone before. So the band is going to come back up, and it's simply that. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, and it goes on. But to know true, everlasting, real peace, what is the secret? Prayer. We have got to have prayerful lives. All the time, in everything, pray. In everything, pray. And so now we have a chance to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I'm telling you, this world, this society we live in, will always and forever point you to to get peace by taking control of your own life. But here's the deal. You're not in control of your own life. You're not in control of your own salvation. 
You cannot save yourself by working harder, by doing more, by doing better, by controlling the outcomes of your life, by being more disciplined, and on and on and on. The only way that we are saved is to come to Jesus, acknowledge our sin, and say, I need you to save me. That's where true, real, everlasting peace comes from. So there's two tables up here. There's one in the back. And we're just going to worship and come to the tables and remember Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus and you've never come to him for salvation, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, which means you don't have to know any more than you know right now except for your need for Jesus. And we got to remember that too when we go out to occupy our streets, that people don't have to be smarter in the Bible before they come to Jesus. They come to Jesus and then they seek after him and let him change them. So it's as simple as that. In these moments, as we remember Jesus, that is where everlasting peace lies. And so you can either sing these songs as prayer to him, but during these times, I either want you to sing the songs as a prayer or just pray. Whether you sing the songs or not, just pray and come and remember Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that in the power of the name of Jesus and the blood that covers us, I pray that in these moments we would really be on our knees face to face with you in prayer and that our anxieties and our fears, God, would come in redemption before you and they will go away because we can know real peace in the name of Jesus. So we remember you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made on the cross for us so that we could live the abundant life and know true peace. Help us to live lives of prayer. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. God, I just pray that as we sing this last song, we understand that, God, we can trust you because you are good. You are our Father. You care about us. God, you, you knit us in our mother's womb. You knew us before we were even born. You care about every single detail in our lives. So I pray, I beg, God, that we would be people who pray, that we would be people who show our dependence on you. God, that we would be led by the Spirit of God, by your own Spirit, the drawn to you to commune with you on a regular, all the time, every day, everything basis that we would pray. God, we love you. Receive this praise.